0: What's going on guys, welcome back to One Stop Shop, let's get right into this episode. Last night the Knicks picked up a 118-104 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. On the road, Julius Randle dropping 28 points last night, leading the way once again. R.J. Barrett, 15 points in 34 minutes, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Reggie Bullock, 13 points, 5 rebounds. Derrick Rose, another great game off of the bench. 25 points in 27 minutes. The Knicks are playing at the highest of their abilities right now. This is the first winning season since 2012, 2013. It's a great time to be a New York Knicks fan. And as someone who has been a Knicks fan his entire life, being a New Yorker, we haven't had too many years where we could be too proud of our Knicks. This year has been one of the best seasons I have ever witnessed the Knicks play. And a big part of that is the great coaching staff that the Knicks have been able to bring in this season with Tom Thibodeau and Kenny Payne, and especially building the culture of a winning franchise. Tom Thibodeau brings in Derrick Rose early on in the season, bringing him from Detroit, and that basically was a way to set up the leadership roles on the team. Derek Rose, obviously a former MVP and one of the better point guards to play in this game in this generation, definitely was added to the team to help the young players out like Emmanuel Quickly, who has so much potential. Alec Burks, coming back from his injury last night, nine points off the bench. And he's helping out Obi Toppin a lot. And like it seems like the Knicks have a great sense of synergy within their locker room. And they're able to coexist. And they seem like all 15 are really tight-knit. And the Knicks could make a run in the playoffs this year. I don't think anybody should really be doubting them at this point. They're 37-28 on the season. And after last night's game... The Knicks are still in fourth place. They have a game and a half on the Atlanta Hawks and two games on the Miami Heat, who are in sixth place right now. In the play-in tournament as it stands right now, the Celtics are in seventh, the Hornets in eighth, the Pacers in ninth, and in tenth, the last seed for the play-in tournament, the Washington Wizards. LeBron came out in an interview the other day, and he basically said that whoever came up with the idea of creating the playing tournament should be fired, and he thinks it's dumb as fuck. So, I mean, like, LeBron has a good point because, like, usually it's just 1-8 through that makes the playoffs, and I'm not really sure why they changed the dynamic. Maybe because of what happened last year with the bubble and teams not being invited based on the record. But, you know... I really don't think this is the best idea because it's just going to be a playing tournament that's going to set up the final seeds in each conference. Uh, You know, at least it gives teams an opportunity to make the playoffs, but I feel like they should go back to one through eight just to make things normal again. In the Western Conference right now, the Utah Jazz are in the number one spot a half game lead over the Phoenix Suns who are in second. in third, the Denver Nuggets are four games out of first place. In fourth, the LA Clippers are tied with the Nuggets for third. In fifth, the Lakers, six games behind the Clippers for fifth. And in sixth place, the Dallas Mavericks are half game behind the Lakers. In the playing tournament in the Western Conference, we got the Portland Trail Blazers in seventh and eighth. The Golden State Warriors obviously not having the best season that they possibly could have, dealing with not having Klay Thompson contributing to their offense this year, making Steph Curry and Draymond really have to uh, come up big for the Warriors. So in ninth place, the Memphis Grizzlies, in tenth, the San Antonio Spurs this season in the western conference i mean like obviously injuries to the lakers made them lose a bunch of games and they were obviously at the top of the conference for most of the year as they usually are not having lebron and anthony davis for an extended period of time it definitely did not help the lakers odds of being one of the top seeds in the eastern western conference sorry and uh yeah, they're really going to have to prove to be the real defending champs. And obviously getting LeBron and Anthony Davis back is one of the keys for them to repeat as champions. And obviously in the Eastern Conference, we got teams like the 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks, And I even want to throw the Knicks in there as a dark horse because like, you never know what can happen in sports. But you know, the Nets are probably going to be the favorite to come out of the East. I don't really see the 76ers being able to beat the Nets if it came down to that in the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like Kevin Durant and Kyrie just need to get James Harden back, and then they have all the other role players necessary to get the job done. But, you know, they need to have little to no injuries for them to have a chance at winning the title this year. But that's enough of that. A little recap of the NFL draft from this past weekend. It's going to be a great season. A lot of teams found their new superstar, like Justin Fields, going to Chicago, trying to revive a franchise that hasn't really had the best success in the last couple decades. Obviously, they have had their struggles at finding their franchise quarterback, and Justin Fields may be the guy. He has all the athletic ability, and he's apparently one of the smartest quarterbacks, according to an aptitude test that was given to him by an NFL expert. So he's a very good decision maker, and he's a great athlete, so team like that benefited from the draft immensely. Another team that really got one of the best picks in the whole entire draft was the Falcons with Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. A lot of people are calling him a unicorn just because he has the most potential. He could be compared to a player along the lines of Rob Gronkowski or Calvin Johnson just because of his size and ability. He's able to catch the ball, and he is a very speedy target for his size. So that's going to be something to watch with him and Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Obviously, story of the first round for every single Giant fan was the fact that the Eagles screwed us literally right before we were about to pick. At 11, and they traded with the Cowboys, which is something that we weren't really too hyped about. And screw up, Jerry Jones. Thanks a lot. We could have gotten Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, and he falls to the Eagles. I'm sorry, Devontae. We tried. We tried to get you. And then Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, who was notorious for not trading back in the draft. He decided to trade back. And we got the 20th pick, Kadarius Toney, who is known as the human joystick based on his speedy ability. He's going to be big for the Giants coming out of the slot. That's where he is most comfortable. 72 plays. 72% of the plays that he was part of came from the slot. So Daniel Jones has a new playmaker on offense and That's something that the Giants really need. We need a fast-paced offense, and obviously getting Saquon back this year and all the other offensive additions that we added in the offseason, such as Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Kyle Rudolph at tight end. And then our later picks in the draft would really set the Giants up for future success, drafting Aziz Ojalari linebacker out in Georgia, one of the top linebackers in the whole draft, and it was really kind of a shock because he was really highly rated, and it wasn't really expected for the Giants to be able to draft him at that position in the second round. And then the Giants would add a defensive back And they're just trying to add to our already pretty stacked defense. We got Jabril Peppers. We got Julian Love, a promising young defensive back that we drafted last year. And then, obviously, in the middle, we got Blake Martinez, one of the better linebackers. And then having Aziz Ojalari added to the mix. And we also drafted... A guy from, like, northern Iowa or something. That's apparently, like, a beast edge rusher. So, the Giants are definitely making some positive moves. The guy's name is Ellerson Smith. They drafted him in the fourth round. He was ranked number six in outside linebackers. They picked him up. He's six foot six, two 252, so this guy's a beast, so definitely an athlete. And the Giants need more guys to uh, get the job done. And then in the sixth round, they drafted Gary Brightwell, running back out of Arizona. Not really too familiar with him. But, uh, yeah, we need running backs. William Goldman's gone, so, yep. And then with the last pick that the Giants drafted in this draft was Rodarius Williams, cornerback out of Oklahoma State. And, yeah, we need more cornerbacks to add to the depth, and uh, especially if injury is happening, we need the next guy to be available. So that's um, that's pretty much it for the Giants draft. And, yeah, a little bit. About the Jets, the Jets drafted a new guard to basically be able to protect Zach Wilson. And obviously, they need all the help that they could get in that department because that was one of the issues with Sam Darnold not being able to work that well in the pocket and getting sacked. So, they need to protect Zach Wilson. Obviously, he is young quarterback and he has potential and he's obviously a little bit more of an athlete than Sam Darnold was being able to make unconventional throws and move outside of the pocket and scramble. Kind of like a Patrick Mahomes type quarterback in a way. More mobile than staying stationary inside the pocket. And the Jets are gonna be successful if they can create their own positive energy in their locker room. Obviously, they have a new coach in Rob Salah, Sala, whatever. And, um, yeah, getting rid of Adam Gates was probably one of the better things that they could have done at the moment just because they needed to rebuild their team and create a new sense of success. And they weren't really seeing it. And I guess time will tell if Zach Wilson is going to become the next – Superstar quarterback or not, or if he's just going to be added to the list of failed Jets draft picks who have been passed on by the franchise and either end up failing and not seeing much success in other places, or they are able to move on like Sam Darnold or Mark Sanchez. But Mark Sanchez, obviously the last quarterback on the Jets to experience a great deal of success. And it's been a while since the Jets have had a quarterback who they believe in. They believed in Sam Darnold, but, you know, he didn't really have the targets around him to get the job done. The Jets added Corey Davis in the offseason from the Titans, solid receiver. And then... The Jets drafted Elijah Moore, wide receiver out of Ole Miss in the second round. One of the better wide receivers available later on in the draft. And the Jets had a lot of draft picks. They really focused on their defense. In the later rounds, especially five through six, they drafted three safeties. (laughs) The Jets actually drafted two guys named Michael Carter. One's name is Michael Carter, and one's Michael Carter the II. One's a running back from North Carolina, and one's a safety from Duke. That is honestly really funny. I've never seen something like that happen in a draft where it's completely no relation, and they get drafted to the same team that's Freaking funny with the same name. (laughs) I wonder how their jerseys are going to look like. This past weekend was Dominic Reyes versus Yuri Prochaska in the main event of UFC Fight Night. In the light heavyweight division, Yuri Prochaska beat Dominic Reyes with one of the cleanest back elbows I think we've seen in a while. And it's only the third time in UFC history that a knockout's occurred from a strike like that. So Yuri Prochaska really just catapulted himself into the title picture in the light heavyweight division. He's going to receive a title shot at a later date, according to Dana White. And yeah, Yuri Prochaska is definitely one of the top prospects in that division, and he could only go up from here. And he's going to get the opportunities that he deserves. And he has one of the longest winning streaks in MMA right now. He has a 12-fight winning streak dating back to 2016. A majority of those fights, obviously, were not in the UFC. He just got into the UFC a few fights ago and has been tearing it up. So congrats to him. Looking forward to seeing what he does in the future. If he fights someone in between, or if he just waits for Blahovish. A quick fight, but a good one. Giga Chikatse knocked out Cub Swanson one minute, three seconds into the first round with a kick. Sending the UFC veteran packing. Who knows how many more times we're gonna see a veteran of his caliber? He's been around for a really long time. Shikatse is an up and coming star in the featherweight division his fights are very exciting and they don't last long so <laughs> that's that. another solid fight from this past weekend was ian kutalaba facing dustin Jacoby. this fight ended in a draw and these guys had a lot of bad blood leading up to the fight especially during the stare downs at the Wayne's. kutalaba kind of like Almost like grab Jacoby, so this kind of seemed like they had a lot of animosity towards each other, and this fight ended in a draw. So maybe we get to see this matchup again later down the line. And another great fight, Marab, Devolish Philly, taking on Cody Stainan. Marab picked up the victory. He's a training partner of Aljamain Sterling. And he is someone to watch in the bantamweight division. And that pretty much wraps up last weekend's fight action. This weekend we were supposed to see the return of TJ Dillashaw, but due to an injury that he received during a training session, he had to pull out of this fight against Sandhagen, which obviously a lot of people wanted to see. This is two of the best guys at that weight right now. And we haven't seen TJ fight in such a long time. It seems like due to his suspension with EPO and injuries and stuff like that. And now he sustained another injury that keeps him out even longer. So hopefully this fight could get rescheduled fairly quickly. And that sucks that it's not happening this weekend. But... Neil Magny and Jeff Neal, that was the co-main event. I guess that might be the main at this point, but that's a great fight. Neil Magny definitely needs a victory after losing to Michael Chiesa. And Jeff Neal looks to stay solid in the welterweight division. He's the favorite in this matchup, and that's going to be a great fight. Another solid fight on this card, and they're... Aren't that many fights booked at this point. It's kind of weird. I don't know why there aren't that many fights this weekend. But Amanda Rebus taking on Angela Overkill Hill, one of my favorite women's fighters in all the UFC. She's exciting and she has great personality outside the octagon. So Amanda Rebus is favored in this fight, slightly minus one seventy-five to Angela Hill plus one fifty. I feel like Angela Hill can get the victory. She's been in the UFC for quite some time now. And she can take it to anybody in the women's strawweight division. So really looking forward to seeing her fight this weekend. Didn't realize she was fighting. And then a great fight card, May 15th, UFC 262. Headline by Michael Chandler against Charles Oliveira for the UFC Lightweight Championship. A lot of people are going to have what they say. They're going to talk their shit about Michael Chandler just because he came from Bellator and... Hasn't had the longest tenure in the division. Especially in the UFC. And Dustin Poirier expressed his opinion on it. And he just didn't think that Michael Chandler was qualified to be in this position. Just because of his newfound success in the UFC. Knocking off Dan Hooker in his first fight pretty quickly. And he feels that. He should have had to work a little bit harder to receive a title shot right away, but he's one of the biggest names in the sport, and that's kind of how it works. So a fight that got called off for this one, and it's being rescheduled for UFC 263, Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Unfortunately, that fight got pulled due to an injury. But... Some other fights that are happening on this main card, light heavyweight division, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush, that's going to be a great fight, Tony Ferguson looking to rebound after losing to Charles Oliveira, and Justin Gaethje in the fight before that, Benil Dariush is a very experienced fighter, and he's looking to catapult himself into the top five in the lightweight division. On the prelims, we got a crazy fight at middleweight, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian. That's going to be a great fight. And, yeah, this is going to be a great fight card, UFC 262, May 15th, from Houston, Texas, in front of a sold-out crowd. So that's going to be insane.